Good morning, Vietnam! My name's Morgan. I'm Devin. And this is Morbid Millennial Motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, welcome to the first episode. Woo! Oh, this has been two years in the running. God. Okay, so listen, Devin. So for the first episode, mm. I'm bringing you a fun concept. You're oh. never going to guess what it is. Do you want to try and guess? Toy box killer. Okay, well, you're cheating there. That's not fun. <laughs> I tell you about one thing and suddenly... <laughs> ha, no, it's and more unexpected than that. I saw on your Snapchat. No, you didn't. Yeah, you... It's more unexpected than that. Do you think I'm an idiot? Do you think I would come in to this room right now and give you a, a topic that you've already seen? No. No, I saw pictures. No, you never saw pictures. I've kept it under lock and key because I'm a genius. Today, we're going to be talking about the Spanish Inquisition, motherfucker. Oh, God. <laughs> Nobody expected that shit. Seriously? <laughs> Seriously. In history and now, no one expected that shit, especially not me. You think that I knew what I was doing when I was doing this research? That's bold of you to assume. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So are you ready to get into this or do you want to chat for a little bit? How are you doing? Uh, I'm a bit drunk. I'm not going to lie. Good. Honestly, you should be. This is going to be rough. My face is super <laughs> A little red. bit kinky, but... Mm, kinky? Not, uh, only if it's consensual, you what understand? What kinky? What, what's going to be kinky? Because today we're going to talk about the Spanish Inquisition, but specifically, we're not, gonna speak with, we're not going to focus so much on the history of the Inquisition. We're going to mainly focus on the torture and execution methods that came out of the Inquisition. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, just for some context, because I okay. do have to bring up some stuff just so you understand who some people are, mm -hmm. why things happened, and generally I need to introduce to you a little motherfucker named uh, Torquemada, and I'll get into that. How do you say his name? Torquemada. Torquemada? Yes. Uh, he looks like a serial killer. I don't have a picture of him for you, but if you look into his eyes, you can definitely just feel like, oh yeah, this man would have killed me. At the first glance. <laughs> Does he look like the Night Stalker? Victor, what's his name? Well, now I have to pull him up for you. But no, Richard Ramirez would probably think this dude was a little, a little too much, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Let me see. So, uh, Torquemada. So, basically, uh, just a rundown. Torture is fun when you least expect it, you know? Oh, yes, I love torture. <laughs> but yes, this man was named uh, Tomas Torquemada. And yeah, he would kill both of us. We were both heretics in this man's eyes. Oh my God, his hairstyle is everything. Right? Oh my gosh. Okay, so the Spanish Inquisition. It was always more than just a religious body. It was also a political defense of the Spanish state, preserving not just uh, Sangrilimpia, which is like a clean blood policy. Mm-hmm. It was also dictating both domestic and foreign policy. Clean blood generally means no Jewish or Muslim ancestry. So, so pre-Hitler. Actually, well, not <laughs> everybody's kind of always hated the Jews. Uh, you understand? If there was ever a moment that you could use someone as a scapegoat, typically that was the case. Right. Uh, but so, under the pressure from King Ferdinand of Aragon and Queen Isabella of Castile. Oh, I love that. Oh, you know of them? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I am see? a history buff. I love history. So you might be a little familiar with this then. Most people tend to be. You generally talk about it uh, in school. Maybe not to this degree because it does get a little graphic. 
So, aware that Islam still had a presence on uh, Spanish soil, Pope Sixtus, the whole... Roman numerals are hard. Uh, <laughs> Pope Sixtus VI consented, and the Holy Office of the Spanish Inquisition was established on November 1st, 1478. The Spanish Inquisition developed many forms of torture because they believed that the more forms of torture there were, the greater the chance that the accused heretics would confess to their crimes and embrace the church. And the, the case was is that technically... <laughs> You weren't under the jurisdiction of the Inquisition if you were openly Jewish or openly Muslim. But that typically meant that they could just kick you out. Right. Or murder your family. I mean, no one really asked questions. <laughs> so, in addition, although children under 14 years of age did not come under the Inquisition's jurisdiction, there were no barriers as to who could be put to the torture. So, generally, you were looking at children, the elderly, the infirm, pregnant women. They could all be legitimately tortured into a confession. They tortured pregnant women and children? Oh, yes. Uh, they also ended up targeting homosexuals, uh, prostitutes, generally anybody who wasn't of uh, a good social standing, let's say. Right. If... Somebody just didn't like your face or they wanted a favor from you that they wouldn't get. It was usually under coercion that they would just go, oh, well, we can tell somebody that, you know, you should be under the Inquisitor. Kind of like uh, in the Salem witch trials. Exactly. It was all based on what the Inquisitor said, not necessarily what was true. Because in most cases, these people were innocent because back in this day, it was more common that you were guilty until proven innocent, which is why it was such a big thing for the U.S. Mm -hmm. when we, you know, founded our country, innocent until proven guilty, because eh, it gets a little shady, let's say, a little sus. <laughs> so the Inquisition employed spies known as familiaries to discover if heretical acts were indeed occurring, and they would walk the streets often at night and report back their suspicions to the Inquisition. For this, they were richly rewarded and acquired an elevated status within the community, which many used to intimidate their neighbors. They were hated and feared in equal measure. So, Tomás Torquemada himself was loathed by both Jews and non-Jews, and assassination was a constant and genuine threat. Everywhere he went, he had a personal bodyguard of 300 men. 300 men? Absolutely. Can you imagine? <laughs> I wish I had 300 men guarding me. <laughs> right? Just 300 men in general, oh, not even God. necessarily bodyguards. <laughs> that would be amazing. I can hardly get one. So Torquemada had stressed to the torturers, be cautious, circumspect, and charitable. Torquemada himself attended many of these interrogations and recorded that he was satisfied with their operation. Which just means this man was crazy. Because if anyone did this kind of thing in mm. modern day, they would be a serial killer. Which I guess is what you could call Torquemada. Just yeah. not in his time period's vernacular. Tomás de Torquemada would die peacefully in his bed in a villa in Castile in 1498, age 78. Content that his work had been done. He had been responsible for more than 2,000 executions during his tenure of the Inquisition, but the apparatus of persecution and torture he had established would be responsible for the deaths of tens of thousands of more. What? Yes, this went on for much longer than just Torquemada's lifespan. So, generally speaking, we're going to be more talking about the torture methods rather than the history, so that's mm -hmm. about all the context I'm going to give you. 
Oh, that's the end of the history lesson? Just for now. Just. <laughs> there might be a little more history thrown in, but for the most part, I want to talk about the bananas concepts these people came up with. I would really just like to pick someone's brain and find out what in God's name made them think, oh yeah, this is a good idea. Don't you want to see this happen? I want to see what happens when we do this. So the first one I'm going to show you a picture of is the torture chamber. So these places were windowless rooms that held the torture devices. And they're not as kinky as we want them to be. <laughs> it's not kinky. It's not the red room? No, it's not kinky if it's not consensual. And none of this was consensual. In the new world, they were more public due to not wanting to use the resources to move a victim to a larger city where the torture chambers were located because the Spanish officials wanted to make sure the native population stayed true to their Christian doctrine. So they made the torture public. They believed that the public torture put fear into all those that witnessed it and the agonizing screams of the tortured and the sounds of their bodies breaking would keep the community heretic free. So I want to make, make sure you know that these natives were converted into Christians involuntarily the second the Spanish stepped foot onto land. And you can actually, if you would like to reference this a little bit, they mentioned something similar in The Pit and the Pendulum by Edgar Allan Poe. So just as a reference, here's a picture of what one of these torture rooms would look like. Would you like to describe it for everyone? It's like a brick walls and just a whole bunch of chairs with people. What is that? Is this bunch of people standing and sitting? Basically, so one of these uh, torture methods that I'm going to mention to you uh, is this man in the back here. Yeah. It's called a strapado or a corda. So this method was used to elicit a confession or information from the victim. Reports said the whole process only lasted about an hour or less, which, generally speaking, okay, torture for an hour doesn't sound too bad. You are wrong. So ropes were tied to the wrists behind the victim's back and tied to a pulley to be pulled off the ground to hang by their arms. Oh my God. Sometimes they put extra weights on them to weigh them down. This positioning of the arms and extra weight made the shoulders separate from their sockets and jerking could cause even broken shoulders. Oh, it's gross. <laughs> oh. Another variation is similar to the first, but with a series of drops from a suspended height. So they would essentially raise you up periodically and drop you down oh to further... What? <laughs> yes. So it was very gruesome. And this is just... First thing I'm mentioning, it gets worse. Oh. So in addition to the damage caused by the suspension, the repeated drops caused major stress to the extended arms, leading to broken shoulders. It has even been documented that some tied the wrists of the victim in front, attached to their ankles. This caused their hips and legs to be damaged terribly, as well as their shoulders in dislocation and breaking. And the worst part about this is, as I mentioned before, a lot of these people were alleged heretics. Right. They weren't always executed after this. No? So it was potential, there was potential, I should say, that they would be released after being put through a strapado 
and permanently disfigured for the rest of their life. Aww. You will not be skipping rocks along the riverbank like you thought you would be. It's very intense. And there are some more pictures of this where <laughs> I said that they would be doing them uh, publicly. Oh my God. There would be some where they would put them up in the town center. That is so scary. And you can actually see a lot of these uh, online if you look them up. You can find uh, there are torture museums that have, you know, displays. Torture museums? Yes. They, they don't actually have people in there, Devin. Let me, let me make they're sure you understand. They're not having people hanging? No, they're just dummies. And not dummies like us. I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like... Uh, uh, what's a good word? Kind of like mannequins. mannequins. Thank you. Yeah. The things that a lot of people are afraid of. I'm afraid of a mannequin that just stare at you. Understandably, it's the uncanny valley. <laughs> so another form of torture, you may be very familiar with this. It's water torture. Oh, yeah. Also known as waterboarding. Yeah. So the purpose is to make the victim feel as if they're drowning, of course. The technique was different for different areas of the world due to different resources that were available. Mm -hmm. The victim would lay on their back and be strapped to a board. The ankles, wrists, arms, and legs were secured to keep them from thrashing around. Once secured, a rag of some type of cloth would be inserted into the mouth. Officials would then pour water over the rag, mimicking the sensation of drowning. This process would be repeated sometimes for days until the confessions came. Breathing would become increasingly difficult as the torture increased in frequency. At first, the accused would be given enough time to catch their breath after the... It was also called a toka. Mm -hmm. If no confession came, the length of water pouring would increase while the breaks for breath would decrease. Death was always a distinct possibility. In fact, they actually usually had doctors on hand just to make sure that they were properly tortured, not immediately to death. So they would prolong it as I don't know much which one is worse. Yeah, it's none of it's good. This is why I say that... Uh, it's only kinky if there's consent. If someone's ever in... I'm sorry, you think it's kinky to get waterboard? Listen, I'm not here to kink shame what, or like kink alcohol? ask why. <laughs> I will say this. If, you're, if anyone ever goes, huh, that sounds kinky, maybe tell them to go see a therapist. Just a little bit. Just talk about some things. Because it's one thing to like getting choked. It's one thing to like, like sensory deprivation or thing. It's another thing, you know, to say like, Oh, yeah, break my bones and shit on my face. That's a completely different thing you understand. <laughs> <laughs> so Spanish officials willingly and repeatedly use eyewitness accounts of Toka to prevent the spread of heretics. For some people, just watching these mm -hmm. torture, uh, these torture sessions go on was enough to elicit a confession. Can you imagine having to walk into a room and seeing somebody being strung up from the ceiling by their shoulders or waterboarded in front of you. No. And somebody just going up and saying, if you don't say what I want you to say, we're going to do that to you. Okay, I'm in. Right? <laughs> You'll say whatever, yeah. whatever they wanted. And that was really the case with a lot of the people that were executed. They weren't even necessarily guilty of any crimes. They mm -hmm. would just say whatever was necessary to make sure that they wouldn't be tortured. But even then, best case scenario, you'd be executed. So Torquemada had stipulated that no more than eight liters of water could be used at, in any one session. And throughout the procedure, there would be a doctor present to observe the accused reactions and ensure that the confession 
when it came was made by someone who was lucid and not incoherent in any way. Because, you know, they're not monsters. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> no, let's just get eight liters of water. And and after, after that, we'll call it done. We'll go to some yeah. other torture. Let's go get the ropes. The confession of sin had to be pure and unadulterated by pain or fear, which I can't imagine was easy when you have these types of torture methods. <laughs> uh, also present there were two clerks who were there to record everything that was said and done because actually the sanctioning of this inquisition was mostly due to the pope allowing it to happen but he was kind of strong-armed into it as well it wasn't entirely sanctioned by the pope because the ruling monarchs of the time had him in a basically had him held hostage let's say because uh without the support of the monarchy there would be no military to defend the church from muslim attacks they couldn't support the crusades otherwise so it was basically you let us do what we want to do mm -hmm. or you can deal with the muslims on your your own and i'm sure i don't need to show you a picture of what waterboarding looks like but if oh you wanted an my. illustration there you go that's just oh do you want to try and describe it for everyone? It's literally a person on like a wooden board and like people just watching as he's getting waterboard. Is that a doctor checking him out or is he getting? Uh, the people with the black hoods were typically the torturers or executioners. They weren't necessarily doctors. Oh, so the doctor is the one who's kneeling in front of him? Uh, yeah, typically. Typically they would have to be there to make sure. That's just terrible. Isn't it? So another one you might be familiar with is the rack. The rack? Yes. So it was used to stretch out human beings by oh, being God. secured to a board by their wrists and ankles with cuffs attached by chains. No. <laughs> I watched like Game of Thrones and they did that in an episode. No. Oh, yeah. Just just so you know, everything medieval, generally, imagine Game of Thrones. It's just that complicated historically and just that brutal sometimes. Could you hear, just imagine the sounds of the screams as they... It's... I, I think... I'm so glad that we live in the time period that we do today because, you know, sometimes you get frustrated, you know? You sometimes, just want to pull on someone. No, like sometimes your Amazon package doesn't get delivered on time. <laughs> oh, sometimes the, the traffic is really bad. But, you know, at least you're not being tortured by a bunch of Christians who just don't like your face. That's just really sad now. Indeedy. So the chains were attached to a wheel where if cranked, the chains would stretch the body, causing it to crack and pop. Gross. Just witnessing this torture was enough for many to offer up confessions of heresy. For a person that survived long sessions of forced stretching, they could lose control of their bowels and other bodily functions and could be permanently unable to move on their own. Sometimes the rack would take form similar to that of the strapado where a person would be stretched while hanging from their wrist from a tall tree or pole. As a person hung from their wrists, their ankles would be stretched to the ground to snap, crackle, and pop like oh, Rice Krispies of joints and ligaments well, could be deafening and the pain indescribable. Yeah, just look at the picture. <laughs> Our producer seems a little disturbed over there. Are you, no, are you sure? Have you seen a picture? You would be disturbed. There was at least one account of a person who survived the rack who proclaimed he required longer pants for they had been stretched out so much. Oh my god. That is the not kinky version of Granddaddy Longlegs. 
<laughs> so another, there are several that you might be familiar with because I feel like I say this every time I bring up a topic. But so one you might be familiar with is the wheel. Have you ever heard of that? I don't. No, I haven't. So fun fact: uh, if you look on our podcast page, I actually did post a promo for our first episode that oh. was depicting the wheel. Oh, is that what that was? I was wondering what that picture meant. Indeed, you do. And I did give a hint that it would be unexpected. And this podcast was definitely unexpected. So the Catherine wheel or the breaking wheel was a form of capital punishment adapted from the rack that usually featured a wagon wheel upon which the accused was stretched over and beaten. Since there is space between the spokes on the wheel, it allowed bones to be broken easier. Then the victim's mangled body would be on public display until their death. The people administering these acts would attempt to keep the person alive as long as possible in order to draw out their suffering. It was the hope of local authorities that keeping the tortured or convicted on display would deter others from committing, quote unquote, heinous crimes. I'm sorry. You want to talk about hypocrites? Let's talk about hypocrites. So this was typically used on murderers or thieves. Since the body remained on the wheel after execution, left to scavenging animals, birds, and decay, this form of punishment, unlike the ancient crucifixion, had a sacral function beyond death. According to the belief at the time, this would hinder transition from death to resurrection. (sighs) And for your viewing pleasure, I will show you two forms of the wheel. Some would be vertical, like the one that I posted (gasps) on the Instagram. That just looks painful. Some would also be... Is she... So that person's getting beat with what, like a wooden stick or something? Whatever they decided to beat them with usually. Whatever they're feeling that day. If if you've ever watched The Hunchback of Notre Dame, you'll actually see the the correlation. Because he was on a rotating dais at one point. Oh, he was. Very similar to the wheel. Only he wasn't getting beaten. He was getting things thrown at him. But it's equally terrible. The poor baby. So another that I, I couldn't wait to tell you about, because it's one of those you don't really think about, sounds like a modern inconvenience until you think about it too long and it's not that fun. It's called the hair shirt. The hair shirt? Indeedy do. So this was made out of animal hair and was heavy by design. It usually had a neck opening and rested upon the shoulders with the sides tied under the arms. But there were many variations. Basically... Have you ever been to the dentist and you needed to get an x-ray and they give you that... Oh, yeah, that gown. The radiation suit. Yeah. Very similar. So, for Catholics in the early days of Christianity, hair shirts were used as a method of repentance during the season of Lent. To intensify the irritation it caused, sometimes they added twigs, rocks, or shards of metal. For accused heretics, this was a symbol that showed they had confessed to heresy and publicly proclaimed their belief in God, Jesus, and their devotion to the church. Wearers who were publicly embracing the church would go without food and water for the duration of their sentence. Some were even forced to wear the hair short for seven days, while others were sentenced to wear it for several hours while sitting in the hot sun of a public square. Oh my god. This is the hair shirt. As I mentioned, it looks very similar to the radiation suit you would get at the dentist. Yeah. But there were many variations, and this is just one of them. And (sighs) for any of you who are listening, I will also be posting all of these images on our Instagram. Yes. So 
feel free to pull it up and follow along with at Morbid Millennial Pod. There you go. Hey. So another form was the Judas chair, a pyramid shaped wooden seat where the person being asked to confess their sins against the church was placed upon with the point inserted into the anus or vagina. Whoa. As the questioning got more intense, the inquisitor would lower the victim lower and lower onto the pyramid by ropes. The victim was usually naked and the chair also sometimes had oil added and the victim sometimes was lifted on and off the chair or had weights added to make the death faster. This was a contraption that would literally rip you a new asshole. Oh my God. (laughs) So this was typical uh, punishment and torture for those that have been accused of infidelity or homosexuality. It's not fun for anyone involved, but Mm -hmm. especially not for those victims. It is said that the Judas cradle was rarely, if ever, washed. So even if someone did get off the cradle alive, the chances of subsequent infection would probably kill them. Yeah. Have you ever seen a Judas chair? No, I kind of don't want to. Oh, oh. Our producer is raising his hand. He knows exactly what it looks like. <gasps> it's just what it sounds like and oh not at all God. fun. Do you want to describe it for anyone at home? <laughs> don't feel like you need to, do you? No. I pretty much nailed it on the head. It's pretty direct. I mean, honestly, who wants to know what that looks like? I. What, is that the chair? This is the chair. There was also a, a spiked chair version, and I will go into this a little bit later. There's an additional uh, feature I would like to talk about. Of course. Which is this coming up. So it's called the boot. It's designed to cause crushing injuries to the foot and or leg. Common varieties include the Spanish boot and the Malay boot. One type was made of four pieces of narrow wooden board nailed together. The boards were measured to fit the victim's leg. Once the leg was enclosed, wedges would be hammered between the boards, creating pressure. The pressure would be increased until the victim confessed or lost consciousness. Newer variants included the iron vices, sometimes armed with spikes that squeezed the feet in middle frames. Oh my god. The Spanish boot was an iron casting for the leg and foot. Wood or iron wedges were hammered in between the casing and the victim's flesh. A similar device, commonly referred to as a shin crusher, squeezed the calf between two curved iron plates, studded with spikes, teeth, and knobs to fracture the tibia and fibula. Oh. Oh. It was only used on no-hope prisoners. These prisoners were the ones that had not responded to any of the other methods of torture for information. This was usually after they had maimed most of their body. This was the last step before evisceration. Even after evisceration, they kept the victim alive as long as possible because it was considered a terrible sin if the accused died while in the clutches of the Inquisition. They then brought the victim to the secular branch of the church where they would burn the unredeemed victim on the holy day. And some of you may be familiar with this torture method. It was commonly used on witches. So anyone who wouldn't admit to their crime, right. they would fuck you up. So would you like to describe to everyone the images I'm showing you now? These are some examples of the boots. So it looks like a boot and it has spikes inside the boot, right? Mm-hmm. And so they just put their leg in the boot and then it 
Oh, no, no, no. It's a big nope. No. So this is another common form of either torture, but specifically execution mm. called trial by faith or auto de fe. This was a public execution method that would always be held on a Sunday or during a public holiday so as to maximize attendance. And it was a part of a ritual that would last many hours. In fact, this was kind of the thing you RSVP'd for. This was the thing where you had a little brekkie to go with it. It was a whole day. They would get everybody together and feed them. And there would be a whole ceremony involved. This was a big shebang. So the condemned would wear a black hat known as a sambonito mm. with pictures of flames and demons on it so as to indicate that hell awaited them. And they would then be slowly paraded around the town where they could be jeered at and abused by people. You mentioned the Game of Thrones earlier. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the walk of shame. Oh yeah, shame, shame. Finally, they would be taken to the town square where they would be tied to a post atop a funeral pyre and the charges would be read out. As last-minute confessions would often lead to the crowd demanding a reprieve, the victim would be gagged to prevent them from responding to the priest's constant demands that they do so. If they nodded a recantation or made to kiss the cross, they might be treated more mercifully and strangled to death by an iron collar before the flames could consume them. Oh my god. Here's a good example of the... <gasps> Is that it was louder? Yes, sometimes it wasn't like the like what you think of of witches being put on top of funeral pyre right, and let, yeah. lit on fire sometimes it was there was a fire lit and they put you on a ladder and just threw you in the fire slowly because Slo- they wanted you to recant but if you couldn't well then that wasn't their fault now was it wow history is dark guys so some extra ones, I couldn't find a lot of information on mm. the ones that I'll mention from now on, but they are really notable to talk about just because they are so intense. So one of them is the thumb screw or the head crusher. Ooh. These are some of the weirder ones. And you can find these in torture museums. They do have artifacts of thumb crushers. And basically... The thumb screw was a device where the victim's thumbs were placed and systematically crushed. No, 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 no. Similar devices were used on the toes. Thumb screws were often applied at the same time as the strapado and other torture devices to inflict more pain. Portable devices such as the thumb screw were very popular and no inquisitor would go anywhere without a set. Uh, it's it's kind of like having just a good handbag on you. You just need a good thumb yeah, crusher, yeah. you know? It's in style. <laughs> if you don't have one, you're not cool. You're just not in vogue. You're not. So, however, the must-have torture instrument was the head crusher. The head crusher. That's even more... As the name suggests, it would slowly crush the victim's head as the handle was turned. But the obvious problem with the head crusher is the victim can't really talk while it's crushing their jaw into their skull. But, you know, who cares when you can look forward to the accused eyes popping out of their sockets when the skull finally cracks? You know what that makes me think of? Have you seen Friday the 13th? I am not, actually. As a horror movie buff, I'm a little (gasps) ashamed, but You've never seen the Friday the 13th movies ever? I should. We should do that later. We should have a horror movie marathon. Let's yeah, go. But one of the movies, I can't remember which one, but he literally, Jason, like, literally popped a guy's eyeball out with his thumb. It just popped right out. Kinky. 
Of course you're doing to that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll have to watch that later. I can't I, believe you... Have you seen Halloween at least? Of course I've seen Halloween. What about Nightmare on Elm Street? That kept me awake for three days as a child. Okay, good. I was so afraid to fall asleep. Good. <laughs> I hope yeah, so. Good. I should lose sleep over this. You should. <laughs> I'm torturing you with this information, so I, I might as well torture I'm myself a little bit. Yeah. They believed the brains of heretics were dysfunctional so by crushing their brains they would definitely cure them don't you know <laughs> so just for a visual here are some images of the that looks painful they look similar to uh like a handmade uh what would you call it handcuffs like okay, if you yeah, were just yeah. handcuffing someone's thumb together yeah but the idea was that it would slowly be turned until Ugh. crushed. Jeez. Same with the skull. <gasps> Actually, when I first saw this, I'm not going to lie, as someone who's gone to the optometrist quite a bit, it kind of reminds me of that of that test where they blow. <gasps> oh, yeah. They blow air into your, your eye. eye. Yeah. It, the contraption feels very similar, only there's nothing crushing your head. But like, if you don't stay still, I think that might be what they do to you. <laughs> <laughs> A fan favorite of anyone who knows about the Spanish Inquisition, I can say it right, Yeah, tends to be the Iron Maiden. This uh, one you might be familiar with. It. You can think of it in your head, probably. Yeah. It's very iconic. So the front side of this device was a statue of the Virgin Mary, ironically enough. Inside were spikes, sharp knives, or nails. Levers would move the arms of the statue, crushing the victim against them. One record dating back to 1515 tells of a counterfeiter, which they were a Jewish person presenting as a Christian to avoid persecution. They were being executed by such a device. It was placed inside and the door shut slowly so that the very sharp points penetrated his arm and his legs in several places and his belly and chest and his bladder and the root of his member and his eyes and his shoulders and his buttocks, but not enough to kill him. And so he remained making a great cry and lament for two days after which he died. And here's an image of the Iron Maiden, or at least some good examples of them. If you've ever seen uh, a sarcophagus, they look very similar, only with a little more fun added, don't you know? Uh, yeah, that <laughs> looks like a fun party dress. This is a, a more of a side note, but I will probably mention this at one point. There was another execution method where some people would be placed inside something similar to this. A spiked barrel, typically, and then rolled down a hill. Oh, I've heard of that. Yes. That sounds like fun. See, we'll have to cover it at one point so I can tell you all about it. It is quite interesting. There are a few people you might have heard of that have suffered a fate similar to that. Really? Indeed. So this is a fun one that all of the women listening will very much not like. It's called the breast ripper. Oh, God. <laughs> the Catholic Church learned a human being could live until the skin was peeled down to the waist when skinned alive. Often the rippers were heated to red hot and used primarily on women's breasts. Uh Infection was guaranteed because the torture devices were never cleaned victim after victim. They don't like cleaning things, do they? Listen, back in the day, they didn't understand how germs worked. So why even bother? You know, it's not going to kill you. We're just going to rip your nipples off. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> God, my poor nipples. 
This punishment was primarily used for women who had committed infidelity or self-performed abortion. Also less commonly used to punish those condemned of heresy, blasphemy, and other crimes. Just to show you. <gasps> it kind of looks like a slingshot, you know? I can see why you'd say that, yeah. Basically, imagine a pair of metal tongs with spikes. Ooh. So another one is the pair of anguish. I'll show you a picture before I get into it. What the? It does kind of look like a pear, doesn't it? It's a big pear with a screw on the end. And oh, like a wine. Kind of similar, yeah. Yeah. So this was a favored form of punishment for women who had had abortions, homosexuals, blasphemers, and liars. Those damn liars. <laughs> I know. They didn't deserve this, though. Nobody deserved no. this. This was a pear-shaped metal crank, and it consisted of four leaves that opened away from each other as the screw at the top is turned. It becomes wider and wider at the base. So its mode of use was to insert it into the offending orifice, and this could be the anus, the mouth, or vagina. Once in place, how far the crank was turned depended on the torturer. Isn't this fun, Devin? Aren't you having so much fun? I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> learning different ways to torture people. I know. Just don't use them on me. I know I'm mean to you sometimes, but I don't deserve this. Okay. I remember that when you bring up Capuchin Monkey. Exactly. Just kill me quick. That's all I ask. Okay. I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> so, there was also the Heretic's Fork. The fork is strapped around the neck and placed with the sharp prongs just digging into the base of the throat and underneath the chin. The victim would be restrained so they were upright, either by hanging from the ceiling or tied to a chair. Anyone wearing the heretic's fork was unable to fall asleep because the moment they did, the prongs would pierce the skin, causing them to wake them up from the pain inflicted. After a few days of this torture, they would be so sleep deprived that they'd confess to anything. This was typically used for heretics, sinners, and blasphemers. And the image is pretty straightforward. It looks like a choker Ooh. with two forks attached. Yeah. And this is also one of the things you can find in several torture museums. Highly recommend you do that. It's a lot of fun. We it, should go. We should. I want to see how different torture methods. I'll have to take you one of these days. Okay. So this was... So the person that helped me do this research, I want to go ahead and say this now. Thank you so much, Madison DeWeese, because you helped me with this. And God bless you for being awake at 3 a.m. and telling me all about Aww. the wonders of rat torture. Thank you, Maddie. Appreciate you. <laughs> so, as you can see in this picture that I'm oh, showing no. you now. Oh, I already don't like rats. <laughs> so the victim would be naked and strapped to a <gasps> table. After being put on their back, the victim would then have a cage with a sawed-off bottom full of hungry rats placed on top of them. The Inquisitor would then have hot coals poured into the cage, causing the rats to burrow into the person in order to oh. escape the heat. Oh my god. This is the kind of information I love getting at 10 a.m., um, 3 a.m., you know, whenever, whenever the moment strikes you. The reason this would be used is to try to get a confession from alleged witches and sorcerers. He's not going to confess. He looks so much in pain. I would hope not. I mean, it's not going to do you much good if you confess in the middle of this. If, by the rats burrowing into you, 
let's not even talk about infection from all of the other contraptions that you'd be getting. I doubt you would live very long from a probably plague-infested rat burrowing into you. And as far as the Inquisition goes, those are the most notable torture methods that I was able to find and bring to your attention. Aren't you so glad we started this podcast, Devin? Isn't it so much fun? Can't you wait for the next episode where I bring you more like this? No. (laughs) (laughs) So if any of you would like to find us on social media, please go ahead and look at us on Instagram at morbidmillpod. And you can also, if you are so generous, if you are so generous, I can say generous, but if you are generous... You can support us on Patreon and Ko-Fi. Ko-Fi. The link to this will be in the episode description. I can never remember Ko-Fi. I only remember Patreon. Oh, that's easy. All you have to say is, hey, buy us a coffee. (gasps) I love coffee. (laughs) Please buy Devin a coffee. She really needs it. We've been drinking a lot. And quite frankly, she needs the energy. Especially after that. I can't go to sleep now. <laughs> I believe you can because... Yeah, I'm just going to have rat dreams and then like the nipple. Ugh. See, eventually I'll just get you so desensitized that you won't even notice. It, you'll This will go over your head just like me. Yeah, until I text you at 3 a.m. in the morning because I can't sleep. That's okay. I'm probably not sleeping either. Yeah, that's true. You never <laughs> sleep. <laughs> so... Thank you, everybody, for listening to the first episode of Morbid Millennial. So, signing off, this is Morgan. This is Devin. And please support us on Patreon. Please. Bye. Bye.